0: Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with State Senator Scott Weiner. He talks about his proposal to give all homeless people in California a right to shelter, his second try at making car break-ins easier to prosecute, and the surprising best part about being six foot seven. That's all coming right up. Well, welcome, Senator Wiener. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I wanted to talk to you today about your proposal for a right to shelter throughout California for homeless people. Can you explain what that would look like and how you got the idea?
1: Sure. And the proposal is uh, uh, very much in in a preliminary form, and we're convening stakeholders now to fully flesh it out. But we have a huge and growing homeless population in California, and it's no longer... Uh, limited to places like San Francisco, Berkeley, uh, LA. It is everywhere. Cities, suburbs, large cities, small cities, uh, and people are really struggling. And uh, we need to help people off the streets, um, not uh, to stay in shelter forever to get into permanent housing, uh, but shelter is a key way of helping people And there are parts of the state now uh, that don't have any shelter beds or only have shelter beds in the winter or have very few shelter beds or don't have them. Which
0: places are those that are really lacking?
1: You know, I don't like to uh, call out names. I like to call out names. Um, I've been told that Solano County has zero shelter beds. Uh, They should correct me if we're wrong about that, but that's our understanding. There are a few other counties that have zero. Um, uh, I've been told that Ventura County uh, has shelter beds only in the winter. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, I don't want to point fingers. This is It's a resource issue. Um, we have a, a, a new, I don't want to, I'll call it a new abnormal. The governor has coined that phrase uh, that we need to uh, stop normalizing. Uh, so the bill, we don't want to go the New York the New York City route where it's such a strong right to shelter that it takes resources away from permanent housing. Uh, we do want to look at how do we have better geographic equity so that people have access to shelter no matter where they are in the state.
0: Do you think one of the reasons San Francisco is seeing such a crisis is because homeless people from other counties can't find shelter and so they're coming here is that contributing to our problem uh,
1: I, I don't think that that's a significant part of our challenge uh, I, I, I do think that if you have uh, if homeless people have no access to anything in a particular area they very understandably might uh, move or you know if there's a the next city over has better services they, they might go there but I don't uh, I've never been of the view that that's what's fueling our homeless. Uh, uh, challenges. I think it's always going to be the case if you are a major city that has a lot of infrastructure and h- health services and other services, it's, it's understandable that, you know, people, not just homeless people, but people in general are, might want to um, access those services. But I don't, I don't believe that that's what's increased our homeless population. I think those folks are largely San Franciscans.
0: So is the idea that any homeless person in California would be able to go to their county office or something and say, I need a shelter bed tonight, and they would all get one?
1: Um, I, yes. I, ideally, we want to, it, it may not be exactly where you are, but at least re- having people have a reasonable access to sleeping somewhere and being somewhere that's not the street, not your car. Uh, And uh, the way we've described it in the bill, it's more along the lines of navigation centers, which uh, I also like to call uh, Homeless Shelters 2.0, a more modern approach uh, that is uh, more flexible where uh, you know, we, we know that there are homeless people who don't want to go into a super rigid shelter situation with a million rules where you can't be with your partner or with your dog, where you can't bring your, your items in, so we want a, a flexible approach. And, and this obviously has budget implications, and we don't want to take money away from permanent housing. Uh, shelter and permanent housing are, are linked, and, and you, you should never try to do shelter without a strong approach to permanent housing.
0: And navigation centers are um, pretty popular throughout San Francisco and elsewhere, other places that are trying them. But they're a lot more expensive than regular mm-hmm. shelters. So how are you going to actually fund that throughout California? And also, how would you get them built since it takes so long to do that even here in San Francisco and everybody's on board with them?
1: Uh, sure. And San Francisco is more challenging than some places. I mean, the politics of citing homeless services is hard everywhere. San Francisco has the added challenge that we are very land constrained and land is so expensive. uh, And and that is true in some parts of the state. um, But in other parts of the state, there's more uh, flexibility. There's just more space to be able to do things, uh, and uh, it, it is not a cheap proposition. Um, and the state needs to do more. Any idea how much it would cost to make I, your idea I don't. I don't know. And, and and just to be very clear, we're in the very preliminary uh, stages. This bill could go in a few different directions, and we're right now convening uh, stakeholders, homeless advocates. Um, we're, we'll be reaching out to local. Uh, communities were just trying to get feedback to try to craft something uh, that again is not a New York style right to shelter because that has its own challenges with draining resources from other important needs like permanent housing, uh, but having the right balance. And the state does need to do more. We started over the last uh, really last year, last few years to increase state investment in these triage services for uh, our homeless population, uh, but we definitely need to do more.
0: How do you envision the California version being different from New York City's?
1: Uh, I- Again, I don't have all the answers uh, for that. I don't want to prejudge what our process is going to uh, yield. Uh, But uh, New York and Washington, D.C., as well, uh, has just a a blanket right that no matter where you are, no matter how big the homeless population gets, you you have to— have a bed for everyone and and while that and in theory that's absolutely a great approach in reality uh, New York has uh, it's sort of a almost a warehouse style approach to homeless shelters uh, and uh, it has um, had created some resource challenges around the ultimate goal which is permanent housing so if you talk to People who are really knowledgeable about how do we help homeless people off the streets, people tend to be pretty negative about the New York approach, uh, not about a right to shelter in general. But when you, if you go too far, um, you start devoting more and more of your resources to shelter, which is not the ultimate solution. We always have to be investing in permanent housing.
0: Do you have any thoughts on why San Francisco hasn't been able to turn its traditional shelters into more welcoming places like navigation centers? The Chronicles called the, for that for at least two years, maybe longer, and it just hasn't happened. It doesn't seem that hard to allow like a homeless man to bring his wife in or his dog in. or.
1: Well, uh, my understanding is that some of them are moving in that direction. Uh, and I, I've been frustrated, too, that it, it hasn't been happening. Really, all of our homeless shelters should be along the lines of navigation centers. Uh, I, uh, and I know that as Mayor Breed um, expands the number of shelter beds we have, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's my hope that it'll be along the navigation center lines. And there seems to be a consensus that that's the better approach, the more successful approach, and just the more humane mm-hmm. uh, approach.
0: And you endorsed a no on Prop C um, just before the November election because you said you weren't sure the money spent on homelessness now was being well spent and it needed to be audited. So why are you coming forward so soon after the election with a proposal that would cost even more money?
1: Well, th- that that was not my argument. I you know I've always having uh, and just to be clear, the, I, you know I had my position on Prop C. The voters spoke; they passed it, and I issued a statement right after the election uh, saying that uh, I'm you know, I, I fully committed to doing everything I can to make Prop C successful. We have to defend it in court, and then we want to make sure that that money is deployed in an effective way to reduce and, and really address homelessness. Uh, my, um, uh, my concern about uh, Prop C, and I, I say this as someone who spent six years on the Board of Supervisors, budget committee, uh, where we, uh, dramatically increased, uh, what we spend on homelessness. If we didn't double it, we came close to doubling it. Uh, and, uh, our homeless situation is worse now than it was before. So funding is important and I support increased funding. I I've tried to get increased funding locally at the state level. We made a big play last year and got about half of what we wanted. So I'm not someone who's opposed to spending more money on homelessness. Uh, but what we 've also seen is that money by itself um, doesn't solve the problem. It, it will help there, If you put another three hundred million dollars into homelessness in San Francisco, there's no doubt that there will be benefits from that. Uh, but I, I was concerned that the Yes and C campaign uh, was implying at a times stating uh, that this is going to solve homelessness in San Francisco and I was and to me that that is a false hope uh, because money by itself won't do it. And one of uh, my my other concern about the about the proposal is it was put together uh, without the participation of the mayor because ultimately, if and I hope I hope I'm wrong I hope Prop C solves homelessness but if Prop C doesn't do what people think it's going to do, uh, the uh, the coalition on homelessness. Uh, Mark Benioff, other strong supporters of Prop C are not the ones who will be held accountable. Mayor Breed will be held accountable because she's the mayor and she's the one who will be on the ballot. Uh, and to, to say we're going to double the spending on homelessness, it's going to solve homelessness, even though we doubled spending before and it didn't solve homelessness, uh, and we're not going to couple it with any policy changes because uh, this, to be clear, Prop C was not a new plan. It was doubling what we spent on our existing plan. Uh, and, uh, and I, I think the mayor should be a participant in that, and that's how we've always done it in San Francisco in many areas. We, we work together to craft large funding measures. We lock arms. We go to the ballot. We pass them, uh, and we all get behind it. So I was not happy with how it played out here. Um, but with that said, the voters spoke, and, uh, I, and so I support making C as big a success as possible. We're going to continue to work Uh, at the state level to increase investment in homelessness, Uh, I have a long track record of trying to get more money for homelessness, and I'll continue to do that.
0: And have you spoken with Mayor Breed about your right to shelter proposal? Uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. And is she on board?
1: Yes. I I don't want to speak for for the mayor, Uh um, but we, um, as we do with any significant piece of legislation that will have impacts in San Francisco, we always work closely with the mayor's office.
0: Switching gears, you're trying for the second time to close a loophole in California law related to how car break-ins are prosecuted. Currently, a smashed window and a puddle of glass isn't proof of forcible entry, which is pretty strange. Um, Why do you think that the proposal failed last year, and why do you think you have a better shot this time around, since it's pretty much the same uh, proposal? Yeah, uh,
1: so uh, it's sort of bizarre (laughs) in California. You could have a video of someone smashing out a window of a car um, to break into it, uh, but you but you can't but unless you can prove that the door was locked, uh, you you can't prove auto burglary, and it's bizarre. And if you have uh, you know a tourist with a rental car who's long gone, they can't testify that they locked the car door. Or you could have an, just a resident who says, "I don't remember whether I locked the door." Uh, and so we're we're trying to close that loophole and say, if you smash the window of a uh, of a of a car to get in, uh, that's the crime. Uh, so last year um, we had strong bipartisan support for the bill it died in the Senate Appropriations Committee uh, for, for people who don't uh, follow the legislative process in California uh, each house Senate and the Assembly has the Appropriations Committee which is the last stop uh, before you go to the floor and it is a it, it's a way that frankly just reduces the number of bills that go on to the floor and so you you lose bills uh, in the appropriations process. There's no explanation why uh, it's a leadership-driven uh, uh, committee. It doesn't mean that people are necessarily against uh, the policy. Uh, you just you're not going to get all of your bills out. And so that bill we we lost. I got almost all my bills out, but that and one other one we lost. Uh, and so sometimes you have to try. Uh, a do you few think you times. have a better shot this year? Uh, I do. I think I do. I think there's a growing awareness, and um, there's been you know. A um, different chair of the Appropriations Committee. And, uh, you know, I will also say that there is sometimes a reaction in the legislature um, in terms of criminal justice policy. Um, we have a big problem which we're addressing in California a uh, mass incarceration. We're trying to reduce our prison population. We've done that, we're continuing to do it. I've been a big supporter of not expanding, creating lots of new crimes, of trying to shorten sentences and not keep people in prison forever and destroy their lives so that they can never reintegrate into society. Uh, And so sometimes when a bill like this comes along, which is simply closing a loophole, it can be perceived as this is creating a new crime and more people in prison. Uh, And so sometimes you have a little bit of an uphill climb on that. But I think second time around, we have a shot at getting it passed.
0: You've also introduced a, a re-envisioned um, housing near transit mm-hmm. proposal. Can you talk about how your new version is different sure. from last year's, which was quite controversial?
1: Yes. Uh, and this will be controversial too, but I, I, th- I think we will have a broader coalition. Uh, and, you know, we have a... a uh, three and a half million home deficit in California. We all see the consequences and and, and homelessness is a piece of that, but it's also about young families uh, having to leave the Bay Area or even leave the state entirely or people being pushed so that they have a hour and a half, two hour commute each way, which is bad for families, which is uh, bad for uh, the environment because people are clogging the freeways and spewing carbon into the atmosphere. So as we we need, we need to add uh, these three and a half million homes. Governor-elect Newsom has committed to that. But we want to do it in a sustainable way. And the way we've traditionally done it in California is we build further and further out. We build sprawl housing. Uh, we cover up farmland and open space, force people to drive huge commutes. And we push people into wildfire zones. Since 1990, 45% of the housing that's been built in California has been in a wildfire zone. Uh, so we need to focus that all those millions of homes in our existing urbanized areas, in cities, near cities, near public transportation, near jobs, so people can not be in wildfire zones and people can drive less, maybe not at all, or at least have shorter commutes to work. Uh, But the problem is that in California, in vast swaths of the state, through zoning, uh, cities and towns have zoned for only hyper-low-density housing, usually only single-family homes. In San Francisco, 70% of the land is zoned single-family or two-unit. This is true in so many parts of the state, even by public transportation hubs right and job centers. That's not sustainable. You need to have more housing in these areas, uh, and and cities have simply banned apartments buildings they're just banned you can't build them anymore uh, and so uh, and that means you can't build affordable housing because you don't build affordable single-family homes uh, and so uh, this bill which we tried earlier this year and we're trying again uh, it basically says we're going to legalize apartment buildings n- uh, and allow more housing allow more people to live near public transportation hubs and near job centers uh, last year we were criticized. Uh, because uh, people were concerned. uh, There's some people who just don't want more development, and and that is what it is. But some uh, on the progressive side of the ledger were concerned that this would lead to displacement because people would tear down smaller buildings to build bigger buildings. Um, And so we've included stronger tenant protections in this bill, making it uh, much harder to uh, demolish uh, buildings to uh, invoke this bill. Uh, And... um, uh, and also, uh, there was a criticism which had some validity uh, that if you looked at the geography of where the bill covered last time, which is within a half a mile of a fixed rail or subway stop, within a quarter mile of a, of a high-frequency bus stop, it disproportionately covered lower-income communities. Uh, and so we've made adjustments to the bill to allow for a delay in implementation in areas with concentrations of poverty and also to make sure we're including communities that may not have the best transit but have a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're trying to just be more equitable in the bill and so this time around uh, labor was opposed last time they're now supporting a number of, uh, of progressive equity groups that advocate for tenants that were opposed last time are now neutral and actively working with us. Uh, so we're seeing some progress and I'm hoping we can get it passed this year.
0: And then you have a third housing-related measure?
1: Yes. In addition to the uh, transit um, uh, density bill and the right-to-shelter bill, uh, I'm working with my uh, colleague from uh, the Santa Monica area, Senator Ben Allen, we've introduced a constitutional amendment to uh, repeal uh, what is called Article 34 of the California Constitution, which is a racist constitutional amendment that was adopted by the voters in the 50s that says in order to build public housing, uh, any kind of affordable, low-income housing uh, built by cities, uh, you have to have a vote of the people to approve it. So basically it's the only kind of housing that the state constitution says uh, you have to go to the voters to get it approved. You can't approve it through your city council or planning commission. And the reason for that was uh, to try to basically keep low income people and people of color out of certain uh, areas. Uh, It was uh, just a terrible racist amendment so we wanna just delete it from the constitution.
0: Okay, great, well you survived the serious questions and now the even more daunting lightning round. I'll do my best. <laughs> what is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito?
1: Well, it was at uh, Zapata at 18th and Collingwood. Uh, that was my go to burrito place for almost 20 years. I've lived in the Castro since 97. And it closed down. Oh, no. Uh, so I am still in limbo on burritos. Um, <laughs> I will say that uh, a place I don't go to enough but I love is uh, Gordo's in, uh-huh. the, in the in the Richmond. But there are so many great burrito places in San Francisco. The
0: other people who've said Gordo's on my podcast are Angela Aliotto and Mark Benioff. So. There we go. <laughs> what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco?
1: Uh, Vertigo.
0: Okay. You were stuck on... Or, m- Mrs. Oh. or Mrs. Doubtfire, too. Second thoughts. Yeah, so maybe that's a tie. <laughs> Depending on if you're in a serious or yeah. funny movie. That was, that was San
1: Francisco, right? Yeah. Okay, great.
0: Um, you were uh, about a half an hour late because you were stuck on Muni. Um, mm-hmm. If you were in charge of Muni, what is one thing you would do differently?
1: What is one thing that I would do differently? Um, I-, I would... Uh, the, there's a huge bottleneck in uh, the subway mm-hmm. getting into going inbound into Embarcadero. You may notice that sometimes you inexplicably get backed up going to Embarcadero, uh, and that's because uh, Muni has this bizarre requirement that um, when the car is going to turn around to go outbound, the driver has to get out and a separate driver has to get in and turn it around. And Really? It's just ta- yeah. Um, and uh, uh, John Haley, before he left, had, had told me years ago that's, according to him, the biggest bottleneck in the subway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a work rule. And the thing with work rules is you can negotiate to change work rules. And sometimes, you know, during salary discussions, you do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Say, we'll give on this, we'll give on that. And I. Uh, it's been shocking to me that Muni has not... Um, Negotiated to try to resolve that work rule, Mm. Uh, and I don't know, give them a little raise to get rid of that work rule. Um, But it's a big bottleneck, so I would change that.
0: Okay, I didn't even know that was a problem. Yeah, and um, writing Muni can sometimes make you want to have a drink. So, where in San Francisco is your favorite place to go for a stiff drink?
1: For a stiff drink, Uh, uh, at at Eureka uh, Grill on 18th Street, upstairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really awesome bar, really relaxing place to meet someone for a very stiff drink.
0: (laughs) Nice. And you spend how many days a week in Sacramento now?
1: When the legislature is in session, which is right after the New Year's until early to mid-September, I go up Monday morning and come back Thursday afternoon, so I'm up there for three nights, and then I'm here for the long weekend.
0: Okay. What would you say is the biggest difference between San Francisco and Sacramento?
1: Um... Well, it's it's changing a little bit because Sacramento has been uh really um upping its game in terms of restaurants and uh and nightlife. But um I think uh Sa- there's more uh like nighttime street life in San Francisco mm-hmm. than in Sacramento. Sac- Sacramento is still um very spread out and suburban in some ways, but there are pockets of Sacramento that have gotten very Vibrant. Um, so that's a good thing.
0: Where do you stay in Sacramento? Uh,
1: I rent from friends of mine oh. uh, in the Mansion Flats neighborhood, uh-huh. uh, about six blocks from the Capitol.
0: Nice. One of the most um, identifiable things about you is your height. Yes. What is the best thing and the worst thing about being six foot seven?
1: Uh, well, um, wh- and, and actually, uh, my uh, my former colleague and opponent, uh, Professor Jane Kim, once said to me, We were at an event to get a very crowded event together uh and we both had to sort of get in and out and she said to me Scott it is so unfair you can just enter an event and walk back and forth and everyone knows that you were there and then you can do (laughs) you leave if you want to she's like I have to like jump up and down and like scream that I'm there so um it's uh it can be helpful you 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 no one's ever going to like think that you weren't somewhere where right. you were supposed to be. On the other hand, sometimes maybe you don't want people to know <laughs> uh, you were there. Uh, but then the other uh, um, uh, challenges are, first of all, clothing is, has always been a challenge. It's less so now, uh-huh. but it's hard. Uh, and then um, uh, I'm pretty good at not hitting my head on things. I think <laughs> I have a little radar on my head that avoids it, but once in a while I do whack it.
0: Yeah. Do you have to get specially tailored clothes?
1: Yeah, so suits and uh, shirts, uh, because I'm also thin, and mm-hmm. so sometimes uh, when when you look at like stores that do um, uh, tall, like big, big and, tall. Big and yeah. tall, they really emphasize the and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if you are tall and thin, uh, it can be really hard to find clothing. So um, uh, Nordstrom has a great made-to-measure suit and dress shirt program, and they have a, a great sale. Nice. Uh, once a year, so uh, I go in and I, I do it that way. But yeah,
0: <laughs> what is the last book you read?
1: Um, the last uh, book, that, the book that I um, just finished was "1876" um, uh, by Gore Vidal. Mm. Uh, Gore Vidal um, uh, is amazing for many reasons, but he has a great series of historical fiction. Um, and uh, ranging from uh, Roman Empire to a lot about U.S. history, uh, and they're, they're just brilliant books. I read one on, on Lincoln, on Aaron Burr, and now about 1876, which is um, an election where the Republicans stole the election from <laughs> the Democrats, if that sounds familiar, um, and uh, it, was a, it was a great book.
0: What was your first concert?
1: My first concert was a Billy Joel concert oh. um, in uh 1986 or 7, I can't remember which, uh, at, the, uh, at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. I grew up in the Philadelphia area. Yeah.
0: What's your favorite Billy Joel song?
1: Um, my favorite Billy Joel song... God, I can't... I haven't listened to it in so <laughs> long. Uh, let me think about that.
0: Okay, you can come back. Uh, what is something that you always make sure to squeeze into your busy days?
1: I try to um, squeeze uh, working out, and I do yoga. Mm-hmm. I have a core class that I do because I have low back issues, so that helps me a lot. And, um, and then in Sacramento, I've found like the best gym ever. Uh, that's right by where I live, so I go there. So I try to keep physical activity, it also <laughs> keeps me uh, sane.
0: Good, well thank you so much for coming in today. It was good to see you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thanks to State Senator Scott Wiener for being here and for King Kaufman for producing this episode of the podcast. I'm Heather Knight, and I'll see you next time on San Francisco City Insider. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief, and Dominic Fercasa is this podcast's producer. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Have questions or tips? Email hknight at sfchronicle.com or find me on Twitter at hnightsf. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.